Hello and welcome to a new series of the Educate Norfolk podcast. Lovely to have you with us. My name is Jonathan Rice. I'm the head teacher at Caster Infant and Junior Schools. Um, and I'm joined as always by Sarah Shiraz down the line at St Williams. Hello, Sarah. Morning, Jonathan. Nice to, nice to be speaking to you, Sarah. And here we are at the end of the first week. And how's it going? Oh, it feels like... You know, I thought the weeks in lockdown felt long, but this week could have been a month in itself. But only because it's been, you know, we planned for it and we've organised for it and the staff have been up for it. And we just want to get it right for the children and their families. And yeah, it's gone. It's gone well. Lots of reflection, lots of how could we tweak this and that. But just seeing them back and happy and back in their classrooms has been wonderful. Yeah, I'd echo all of that um, out here at Caster as well. It's been a really, really good week. Uh, but as you say, uh, we speak, we're actually recording this on Thursday night and it feels like the week's about 10 or 15 <laughs> days long at the moment, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, it's no, a really good week. Like I say, that's just because all the details matter so much. And also, you know, just maybe not as long as me, Jonathan, but this is all I've ever done. I've been a primary school teacher all my working life. And actually, some things are profoundly different. So the run of the day and the flow of it, some of our teachers are finding that really tiring one they haven't taught for six months some of them but secondly everything that is just you know intuitive to them is just not happening naturally because it's all double thinking so some of them looked absolutely deadbeat at the end of school today yeah yeah okay well we're going to talk a little bit more in uh in, in a few minutes about um the first week back and the issues that are um norfolk head teachers are going to be facing right now with the present situation and the new term um but let's just start by catching up with what we've been up to over the summer and uh, you've become a bit of a media superstar in the last week or two Sarah do you want to tell us yeah. about your yeah sort of accidentally media exposure well anyone who knows me will know how much I hate having my photo taken let alone being live streamed on Facebook or television but um, I when I suppose for me the media coverage nationally of the return to school just felt so unfair on our profession it just felt so much slewed towards a political agenda that somehow we were being negative and we were stopping it and then when it happened the politicians could claim all the glory um, and I just when I was asked if my name could go in a press release around the positivity of returning to school I thought that was an appropriate thing to do so initially it involved um, a sh some shorter articles and then a much longer article in the local press and the EDP and the evening news I did not expect myself to be on the front page I have to say um, when I went into my local shop to buy the paper I didn't even notice and the shopkeeper gave me the paper for free laughing because it was me on the front that was quite funny <laughs> um, but but then there were a couple more things on Radio Norfolk um, but the biggest thing really for me was uh, a discussion which went out live on Look East's Facebook page but then they kept and it's still now on the BBC um, website and it was I don't know how me and Robert Halfen who's the chair of the education select committee and MP for Harlow and a virologist called Chris Smith and all hosted by um, one of the Look East presenters Andrew Sinclair it was incredibly professional it was very uh, they, they taught me a lot about my voice and about projection but then you have no idea what's going to get thrown at you um, and yeah 
I'll tell you what's been the best thing for me is the number of our school families who watched it and said it changed their view about coming back to school. By the time I checked that evening, the recorded version had had over 11,000 views. I haven't checked since. But if it just influenced one or two of our children and families to feel confident, then then that was probably worth my nervous state, I should think. Yeah, that's big league stuff as well, isn't it? Robert Alphon's a a huge player in the education world, isn't he? He is. He was really good. He was asked some questions. Lots of the questions that were coming in were very practical about the return to school. And he just kept deferring to me and saying, you know, I know the theory, but this is an expert in the, the practice. And that felt very honourable to our profession. That morning he'd been leading on the investigation um, and the scrutiny around uh, talking to Ofqual about the exam fiasco. So for him to then be sitting chatting to little old me, you know, he, he was very good. And I know that certainly head teachers in his constituency are always very impressed by the way he supports them. Yeah, that's great. OK, well, that's great. And a great thing for Norfolk to have you on there representing us. And as I say, if your parents are watching it, then there'll be people widely in the county watching it, won't there? So that's fab. That's fine. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting. Some of these things, I think people, you know, they want to put messages out, but actually some of the messages are not the practical stuff that parents want to hear, whereas actually what's it going to feel and look like? And more than that, at the end, I was asked, right, what's your one overriding fear, you know, word? What's that you're feeling about this? And I said, excitement. And he laughed. And I said, no, that's genuinely, this is what I do. This is the yeah. job that we all want to do. And then we're actually going to be able to get on and, and do it. I think anybody who knows you would know that that was genuine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was on another podcast. I feel a bit like a, I, feel, I don't know, that's not a traitory thing to do, is it? But I, I was on, I was really, that was really good fun. I was on, um, remember at the end of the last series, we had Paul Shanks on our podcast, on this podcast. Um, and uh, so he invited me onto the Brick in the Wall podcast, which is a, it's a national podcast. And uh, uh, that was, that was really good fun with him and Greg left me feeling afterwards you know we had a nice jokey conversation like you do I can remember though I laid into Ofsted a little bit I think because I've got I really don't I mean I'm probably I'm going to say the same things again now I really cannot see how they're adding anything by coming and doing these um, visits during the autumn term and I just think they ought to be out from under our feet and not interfering and and leaving us alone and I said that in quite sort of you know jokey terms as if I was sort of sitting in the pub I wasn't sitting in the pub I was sitting at home but as if I was sitting in the pub you know after a couple of pints and and holding court and uh and I've been thinking that afterwards so I said all that on a national podcast do you think they'll be here next week yeah I don't think there'll be many people disagreeing with you Jonathan and I think one of the things that people have found so frustrating is that one of Ofsted's defences has been that they they planned it all with the unions and the unions quite clearly at the weekend said no what you planned was visits to inform a national overview of how it's been for schools not individual school letters and the two things are completely different one is saying do you know what schools are doing a brilliant job they're struggling for money they're unsure about assessment and this is how we can help those and the other is this school And what I don't understand is if they find a sort of health and safety issue in a school, how is it going to be solved by them writing a letter telling the whole wide world? Surely they just need to help the school correct that situation. It seems a crazy setup to me. Absolutely. But that's that's Ofsted's role in microcosm, isn't it? You know, you could say you could say that about schools generally, that the way that they publicly, um, you know, name and shame every single thing they find. And certainly in the uh, isn't helpful. And certainly in the current climate, I can't see what 
see what they're going to add. But I did say that out loud, fairly yeah. vociferously. But I don't think anyone would disagree with you, Jonathan, and you haven't been sacked yet, have you? Not yet. No. But, the other so, thing I would say on that subject, Jonathan, is that what most people don't know is that health, local health and safety executives are visiting schools and they're doing it with one week's notice and very much around, let's have a look at what's happening. Can we audit what you're doing? Now, to me, I don't find that unhelpful because if someone was to come and say, oh, we've seen this in another school, it's working really well, but within a, you know, a, a supportive environment, they're not published, they're not fed back to anyone. I think that would be really helpful. And they were doing them for the last few weeks of the summer term. How do we need that and the Ofsted thing as well? Yeah, absolutely. But that brings us around nicely, I guess, to, to, to this week and all the planning that we've done um, to get our schools open. And for most of us in Norfolk, that was Monday, wasn't it? That uh, we had our school, I had our children in for the first time. Although I did that one or two schools seem to have uh, sacrificed their training days on Thursday and Friday and had the children in for a bit of transition there, which I thought was quite interesting. Although we had three training days because we bought one forward from later in the year. And I, they're probably the three fullest training days we've ever had because everybody wanted to be absolutely sure of procedures. And more than that, I needed their feedback in case we'd missed anything or not thought of anything, you know. So I think it swings and roundabouts, really. I think that the idea that staff had to be absolutely on the front foot from the minute the kids came in was really important too. Absolutely. And uh, and from our point of view here, as you, as you said earlier, I think all our preparations and we had planned everything down to the sort of last detail. I can remember <laughs> sitting around the sort of our senior leadership team sitting around on Friday afternoon like, at the end of last week going, right, have we th is there anything we haven't thought of and the sort of ensuing silence hopefully meaning that we had thought of everything and we couldn't think of anything else but I think we were still expecting something to uh to, to pop up that we hadn't thought of but actually all our systems particularly the business of getting the parents and the children onto the site and parents then off the site and the staggered start and finish times and all that's gone really smoothly here and the same for you I think from what I know of your week <laughs> Yeah, it's it. Before we started, I think I was quite pleased that we started a few days after other schools nationally because there was some feedback through the media around honesty from heads. There was one head who wrote a really good article in Schools Week around how brilliantly they planned everything, but they hadn't planned for rain and the rain ruined all their plans, which I just thought was very honest feedback. Um, but over the weekend, head to teacher chat, which is quite a big Twitter. Uh, has big Twitter following and has actually uh, centred in Norfolk. You may not have known that. Um, but they said, are there any silly little things that you would do if you could do it again? And they were little things like we've got some random people on the gates who aren't necessarily normally on the gates. They might not know every detail. So I did these little bits of paper with what time the nursery was opening, shutting, and what time your one was, you know, so that yeah. if anyone asked a question, they didn't have to know or say, I don't know. They could just get the, the little crib sheet out. So things like that sound silly, but to me, I think there's two big things. There's been the communication with families that mm. then builds the trust from those families. So where you are telling people things, even if you're telling them and then a few days later saying we've reflected and changed it, the clarity of that communication is what has you know, led to people trusting us to have their children. I think the whole, I said in one of the previous podcasts, it's been a very humble form of leadership because even though we thought of everything, we've never done this before, have we? So we're do, trying to do our very best in circumstances that we've had no practice in but uh, when I was on the lookies thing several of the questions was parents saying I've heard nothing I know they're going back on Monday but I don't know what time I don't know what they've got to wear I don't know what they've got to bring 
Whereas to me, the more we communicate, the more we let people know how and why we've made decisions, the more they're going to trust. And I don't know about you, Jonathan, but our attendance this week has been phenomenal, higher than any week yeah, for yeah, ages. Yeah, ours is exactly the same. It's really interesting, isn't it? And you watch the families, you watch the families come back and all the things that we were fearing we might see, you know, sort of little white faced, gaunt children who'd been staring at their Xboxes for six months. They didn't look like that at all. You know, they, they looked bonny, they looked happy, they you know, and their families uh their families did too. And uh, I thought that was really heartening. And most of the parents, as you as you say, you know, were just absolutely delighted to get the children back to school the kids wanted to come back to school yeah on Monday Monday morning we had the the last of our media moments where we had photographer and um, journalists at the gates welcoming parents and talking to them and they made a little bit of footage that's on the EDP website and that was not prompted by us in any way they could choose to talk to anyone parents could say no and just their desperation for things to get back to some sort of sense of normality for their children is what just shone out of them really that they just wanted this to be okay and they trusted that it would be it has been okay but some people were looking very sleepy today I think three get-ups and four get-ups in a row has been quite hard work absolutely because their body clocks have had to adjust haven't they because they've slowly drifted later into the uh into the day and the other thing we've noticed is is hunger I mean, I, they used to snack in from the fridge. Ah, and I, I have to say, some of our children, quite, quite the opposite of looking, um, looking gaunt. Some of our children have chubbed up a little bit, and you can see that they've got used to just eating what they want when they want. So uh, a lot of grumbling tummies by sort of. When um, quite early in lockdown, when one of our families visited, where we had our book swap on. And um, there were two children, they were in um, year four and six at the time. And the dad said to me, I bet they don't get up and go to the fridge in the middle of your lessons, do they? (laughs) But I have to say, we have to include staff a little bit there, Mr Rice, as well. Maybe not you, you were looking very slim when I saw you the other day, but not all of us have, you know, quite kept as fit as you might have done. So some of the staff (laughs) are in the same situation. Yes, that's true too. That's true too. But I was being, I I, I didn't want to be indelicate. I just think going back... Going back to the thing you were saying about trust, I read an interesting article about leadership over the course of, I can't quite remember it was, it was sort of relatively recently, and 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 talking about um, people having trust in institutions, they were talking about it in terms of the government actually, but I won't make a broader political point about that, I was just going to make a point about school leadership, um, and that, you, that you, you need to be able to draw on the reservoir of trust that you've built up over time, so you could be you could put the most fantastic plans in place and cover absolutely everything belt and braces right now but if you haven't built up trust over time from your parents and from your from your families because you've been you know you've sort of messed a succession of things up or your communication hasn't been very good over time or you've uh, if you haven't built that reservoir of trust up over time you'll find it very very difficult to get the trust from the parents now whereas if and your school's an excellent example of this Sarah because I know that really I know your school really well I know you really well if you've built that trust up over time with your the quality of your decision making and your relationships with parents and the communication then that you will be successful in uh, when the big when the big issue comes along that you really need parents to to follow you in and that's the situation we're in now isn't it I think the successful it, schools are the it, one who've got that's that very kind of, that's very kind about us Jonathan but where we could see 
parents coming back and coming back in great numbers with their children returning to school and their children being happy to do so. Um, there are a few schools that we both know of where actually that's going to take a bit of time to build that trust back up because not maybe it wasn't there before this situation, but actually during this situation, some people have made decisions that families have found they haven't understood. And that may be about communication rather than action. But I do think, like I said earlier, communication and trust are very closely tied up. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on that, so that leads us very nicely into something I wanted to talk about. Um, and if I say letter four and letter five, um, those people who are listening who are head teachers will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, just as a bit of background to this, we've, I think a number of schools have faced a situation this week where they've had individual children or possibly a member of staff going off to get a COVID test. And if you look at the um, local authorities' flowchart, it suggests that at that point, you should send a letter, and the template letter is letter four, you should send a letter out to all your parents uh, telling them that somebody in your school is having a test. Now, I we've had a couple of kids go for tests this week, and I, I queried that immediately with the um, local outbreak management team. Have I got that acronym in the right order? And uh, I think that's right, isn't that? That's what they're called. And I said to them, I've got 740 children here. Are you really suggesting every time a parent thinks, I think my little boy's got a cold, but I'm just going to play on the safe side. I'll see if I can get a test kit. Have I got to send a letter out every time that happens? With 740 kids, I'm going to be sending letters out day after day after day. And then, of course, there's letter five, isn't there, which is the test came back negative. I'll be sending yeah. two or three letter fours out every day and two or three letter fives out every day. And you won't know which letter five refers to which letter four. So, so I, think, I think there's a few issues there. And I think I differ in view in a couple of those. One is that it, no one is denying, I don't think, from our feedback to the local authority, that letter four and letter five's wording is completely out of date. It even refers to key worker test status, which obviously yeah. just doesn't yeah. exist. So the fact they're out of date, is one issue. For me, the second thing is that there's information contained in those that just should be available to our parents anyway. So where can you go for further advice? Where can you read up on this? We shouldn't be giving them that at a stressful moment. That should be a backdrop to what we're doing every day. However, we've had tests this week in school and we fortunately, not fortunately for the family, and I, you know, we've been in close contact with them. A couple of our families, they never got to school on Monday because they were already having a test. So although we kept in touch and were really concerned for their well-being, it didn't impact on the work of school. However, a couple of people's tests did and we did then our, our procedures say that we will text the year group which is our we're not calling the bubbles but our main group and just let them know that someone's having a test so we did that twice this week and one of them came through as negative at quarter past eight one evening so again we messaged out now when i've looked into it further and a couple of head teachers like you, Jonathan, have said, this is crazy. This is just going to keep happening. I stood on the gate this morning and, and tested the water with a couple of those parents who have received that message. And one of them clearly said to me, if the first thing I knew was that three or four days earlier, my child had been to school with a child who now has been tested positive for COVID and that all the other children and they have still been in school and where we could have 
you know known that sooner I would rather know everyone came everyone from that year group came to school the next day even though the test result wasn't back but they still said they would rather have that choice and know they could not come but actually they chose to come but if that test then had been positive there was a, a pathway to that result now as the term goes on we may have to revise that but actually for us this week people are saying that transparency has really helped us but they haven't got that choice at that point though have they we, we've said that if they are anxious about that they can keep them home okay but i'm not saying that's right but that's what we've said and and so, that might but that might be 50 percent of the parent body might it you know that might... It, it might be it hasn't been in in both year groups that's interesting. i'm really interested to hear that 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 hasn't had that effect because one of my big concerns about letter four as well was that all the hard won trust that we have got from the parents yeah. confidence about what we were doing here might be lost if we said Oh, somebody's having a test you know they think oh well we'll all stay at home then until we but, find out but there's a, form, there's a formality to those standard letters that I think when a test is positive is needed so I think I don't want to have to think of the wording of that I've used that as the basis obviously made it more friendly to our school whereas those two letters I think a shorter message just saying according to our policy we're informing you that now like I say all, we've done it and no one's reacted you know, they've come to school. So it will be interesting how that pans out. Yeah, I just think for, for a school of our, I mean, your school's pretty big, Sarah, but uh, we've got a lot of children here. And I I think if I if we had to communicate with all parents every time um, somebody in the school community was being tested, we would be doing that all the time. And I think as time goes on, that's going to be the case, isn't it? Yes. So another bit for this for me is that um, there is a family known to us where the child has been unwell with both a temperature and a cough and they were telling their school that they didn't believe in any way and they weren't going to and I suppose one of our hopes is that the routine of testing and not being alarmed by testing will just become quite yeah. normal and usual and that therefore it won't be an extreme thing and by pointing out that we've had five tests this week people are going to go good because that's keeping the other children and the staff safe and for me testing has got to become the normality there was an article in the edp in the evening news yesterday about a school in norwich they've sent a letter it says someone's had a test there's a covid scare at the school and i actually contacted the editor of edp to say that's really not helpful because either families you know if you if you're scared about losing your job and not being able to go to work and you think your child's just got x or y and you don't take them for a test that could put all of us at risk so the positivity of the message that a test is going to become a normal thing is not helped by headlines in the evening news and edp and to be fair to the editor of the edp he rang me today and said you've made a really valid point can we get this narrative better um and then it's gonna i'm gonna speak to another journalist tomorrow so some of my media darling bit might have paid off but i do just think that the way that i can be confident that people in our school are safe is that the testing system works however it's clearly not been working this week which is a whole other story yeah absolutely absolutely but I did, just going back to that um going back to that for a moment I think it's interesting the way that your parents have reacted I wonder if that might be slightly different to the way our parents would have reacted here and and the point you made about testing becoming normal and and it feeling normal for people to go for tests and then those results to come back whenever they come back is uh I think that isn't the case in our community here in Caister and and I think that that's why my concern was that if we put that sort of message out that might spook people and we might uh, affect the attendance amongst people who are feeling a bit jittery whereas maybe in your in your community um 
you know people might have a diff might take a different view well they obviously have taken a different view and that just shows doesn't it you you schools need to have the discretion to be able to make their their decisions local locally knowing their own communities and that was actually because i did ring the local break management center and they consulted with the director of public health and that was the message that came back it's at the head teacher's discretion so obviously our message would be you know you can do what i'm doing or you can do what sarah's doing but uh, very much a question head teachers of making your own local decision with it so we sent our procedures first so people knew that was what was going to happen um and interestingly the school in norwich that i sort of you know decided that i thought maybe should voice i didn't know their situation i just read the article yeah. the parents after it on the edp website were absolutely behind the school saying we knew that what was what was going to happen when someone had a test so again back to communication they weren't alarmed by this in any way and they thought the article wasn't helpful because they knew that that was going to be the school's process yeah okay so the the other thing you mentioned there sarah was the testing and the testing not working i've just been speaking to a parent outside actually a few minutes ago who was just asking me about you know about the sort of stuff we're talking about here but she was saying that she'd had a test she works in a care home she'd had a test at the start of the week at the start of her working week on Monday still hasn't got the result. So so the experiences we've had this week are of a couple of quite efficient processes we also had a family struggling to get a test and we were trying to help we got directed to London at one point and then it didn't let you carry on and finish uh, we got 119 not answering at all and um, somebody got Telford at one point. Um, if anyone follows Vic Goddard who's the Educating Essex head in Harlow, he had families today that were trying to get tests and they were being sent to Norwich where we're being told there aren't any. He was being sent to Norwich driving past Stansted where the test centre was empty of people. So something's got to get better with this process. I drive home past the test centre at, um, at Posick. Pos I was talking to a parent today who's part of an app research so he has tests not because he's got symptoms but because it builds up the information and um, they contact him when they've got spaces and he went to posit yesterday and he didn't see anybody else there at all. No. Yeah we're it's having families being talked to. Is that right? one at the football ground? Is that the other? Yeah. I know there's one at, um, there's one at UEA, there's one in Mark Cross, there's four in Norwich now altogether. So there's plenty around, but the system doesn't seem to be working. No. No, which is obviously of concern, isn't it? If 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 schools end up sort of feeling like they're in limbo and families are stuck at home for a while, and particularly if we if that starts um starts becoming a problem with members of staff, which fortunately yeah. hasn't affected us so far, but I think that's something we're all concerned with as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, this, that system working well is what will give us all confidence that we're still at school, even though the national message is changing around so many other aspects of, of family life. And I've had some parents question that today. You know, how come I can't have the child's birthday party at the weekend with all the family members, but they can rock up and be here with you? Yeah. So I think that the, the message I'd like to give back is we're testing and feeding that back to you. And that's what will keep us safe. But the testing has got to happen. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about you, Sarah, but I just feel like this is all I've thought about all week. And <laughs> and, and and my working day has, has been squeezed into a sort of very narrow um, little time frame in the middle of the day. By the time the last parents have brought their children on to site and then I've, we've seen them off site, there's about two or three hours in the middle of the day before they then start coming back the first shift to pick them up again. Absolutely. Gating is... In the middle. 
Yeah, well, gating is almost my professional role at the moment. Yeah. So we, we haven't staggered our families in quite the way you have. They're coming at the same time, but we've still got a phased approach to reception as we would have had in any year. And one of our reception teachers, um, she teaches Thursday, Friday, and she's been gating. So I had my schedule in front of me today to make sure I gated properly. And I remembered the nursery and then I got caught up in something and completely forgot the reception <laughs> game. So my gating failed today. But yeah, and, and it's the practicalities. I mean, the other day when we were waiting for these tests to come back, I did say that this is not the job that, you know, it has been. And I hope it's not like this forever. But I think once the systems are embedded, it won't feel it's all in the very front of our mind at the minute. It's not embedded, is it? It's not automatic. It's still very much finding our way to make sure it's safe. And yeah, hopefully give it a couple of weeks. We'll start talking about teaching and learning. Well, that's what I was just thinking, you know, what have we got to come? But uh, it, it's difficult. I, the one thing I was just going to ask you, though, um, just looking forward, is how where do you this we keep hearing all this stuff about catch up which drives me nuts the whole catch up thing but anyway I'm not going to go off on one about that but where do you feel your kids are have have you got a sense of it just feels like a normal September to me I mean I I, I, you know glance it I'm not wandering around in the classrooms all the time but I've glanced over a few shoulders looks pretty normal doesn't it to you yeah when our year sixes came back for June and July we were absolutely impressed how on the ball they were and uh, year six teachers said they left as ready for high school as they think the kids did the year before. We then had our new year sixes in for a week and felt really confident about it. What's been interesting now is with that six weeks later on, um, like I say, I think you know the routine of it, some of them have found tough because of sleeping. Um, but my problem this week has been that the teachers have been so on it from the first minute. Actually, we're just saying, chill out a bit, let them have a bit. Still structured, still school, but let it be those fun moments that give them chance to rebuild their relationships. Because actually, doing a spelling test and you know, so it's been a real balance. Our teachers are so determined to get it right. And I agree with you, I hate the term catch up. What we've talked about is the fact that, you know, it's, learning is cyclical. And we, so in year two, they will start with place value like we always do now. They may have to go further back, but they've got to also aim to end up the same place with place value that they would have done last year. But it certainly doesn't feel like, a, you know, the kids aren't here to learn. They've certainly come back and, and it feels like they've missed that as much as anything else. Yeah, that's great, that's great. Okay, well, um, uh, the other thing we ought to look ahead to is uh, what we're going to do on this podcast over the next few Yay. weeks. So um, one of the things we're looking forward to is uh, having Chris Snudden on. Yeah, Chris is the Director of um, Learning for educa- for Norfolk. Yeah. So she works under Sarah Tuff as Director of Children's Services and um, obviously basically is Head of Education in Norfolk. So once upon a time she'd have been Director of Education. Yeah. Then I'd have found that easier to recall, yes. Good. Okay, so we're looking forward to having Chris on and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to do that next week. Um, So it'll be really interesting to hear her reflections on the on the return to school from from the LA's point of view. And you've been in fairly regular contact with uh, Chris, of course, Sarah, through Educate Norfolk. Yes, yeah, so during um, from the beginning of lockdown right to the beginning of the summer holidays, we had um, a daily meeting with um, secretary colleagues, uh, CEOs, special school colleagues, with members of the local authority. Although Chris wasn't there every single day, she was probably there three days out of five. And you know that the whole world that they get caught up in the big bigger county council agenda is is fascinating through those. So it'll be good to catch up on her and see how this whole time has been for her. The other thing I'd like to talk to her about, which we might need to warn her, is obviously there's 
been lots of stuff in the press around the sort of two-tier local authorities of the set that Norfolk has some roles and our district councils have others and it'd be interesting to have her thoughts on on what might happen there. Yeah absolutely yes that could have a huge impact and 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 possibly to, for most people come out of a blue sky a little bit won't it because we're all a bit preoccupied with with other things at the moment. Um, and then also I'm really looking forward to uh, catching up with our old friend Mark Adams. Yay! Uh, which will be great. He's returned from from um, very foreign shores. Uh, well, not very foreign shores. He's returned from uh, his overseas posting. So we're looking forward to to catching up with Mark and finding out what he's been up to as well. Um, local MPs. We've just been talking about uh, hopefully getting Chloe Smith on, Sarah. We've been talking about that yeah. for a while, haven't we? I think that um, Chloe was on maternity leave, wasn't she, when we first started out again. Yeah. But I think also maybe some of our more, um, like I just said about the change to local authorities, I think some of Norfolk's politicians at you know, some of the other tiers to do with county councillors and district councillors would be really fascinating around their understanding and knowledge of the education agenda. And then, of course, we're looking forward to speaking to some of your many friends in the media to get their perspective on... Yeah, as, uh, I meant, as I mentioned earlier, I do think some of the mood and confidence that we've talked about can be generated or spoilt by local press because you know people see headlines even if they don't read or buy the papers and people see things through Facebook yeah. or Twitter or whatever else and I just think it would be great to, for, for the, us to work closely with them not just on articles and not just on pieces but on on mood and confidence because the next few months aren't going to be easy for us in schools are they Jonathan it's going to be more right. of this week over and over again and I and just you know we need well, to maintain when we had Bethany Weimark on the previous education correspondent at the EDP, I think we were both a little surprised to hear her talking about how part of her uh, sort of maybe one of her KPIs was to get clicks on her story on their website. And that and a lot of what she was doing and I guess what their headline writers are doing are just trying to get clicks, mm. um, presumably to uh, to get advertising revenue. So but I just think that might be well, I'd be interested to just unpick that with, you know, with particularly yeah. David Powell's if we can speak to David Powell's. But, but people click when there's a, you know, a, a lovely picture of their school doing something positive. They click when they're actually got questions and an article's answering them. It doesn't have to raise concerns. It could be, you know, solving things and actually explaining things, maybe to a little bit more depth that you and I get because we've been planning this for months. But maybe that's where actually some of our families need to know we're doing X because of Y rather than just we're doing X, if that makes sense. So it would be good maybe to have more of a dialogue around what does the, the message need to be and how is that going to be brought across? Excellent. Well, that's some of what we uh, hope is coming up in the in the series ahead of us. Um, that's it for this week. Hope you've all had a good first week too, as Sarah and I have. Thank you very much to everybody for listening and we'll speak to you again next week. Take care, everyone.